of radioactive dust. The skies choked by clouds of poison gas. But beyond the wastelands, a few survive to return to the cities. Where deep in a matrix of flesh and metal, men discovered that a new enemy had been born. Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I am your sleepy host, Adam Walker, and joining me as always is co-host Pat Mitchell. Good morning. Top of the top of the morn to you, Pat Mitchell. Hello. Oh, I don't know what that was. That was I was trying to match accents. It's and not you top did. of the morning for me. Early for you, it's noon for me. I feel bad for you. That's all right. You know, that's the thing. Um, I am dedicated to delivering our our expertly crafted content to our total of five listeners. Come hell or high water. We're going to get it to you, five motherfuckers. <laughs> I, I, I demand... Nothing but the best for all five of you. So yeah, uh, here I am. I'm 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 up earlier than normal doing this thing due to a a hopefully momentary schedule change on my part. We will see next week how uh, that all shakes out. But that's that's neither here nor there at this point. So, anyways, so today tonight. Well, whenever you happen to listen to this particular episode, we are taking a trip into the not too distant dystopian desert planet future. And we're talking about Richard Stanley's 1990 uh, dystopian cyberpunk industrial movie, sci fi movie, Hardware. Yeah. And this is my. Hard, hard emphasis on hard. We're, we're we're actually we watched the X-rated version. Hardware. So hope hope y'all are ready for some sexy robot time. My hardware would be when I wear like a mesh uh, basketball jersey and you have a real boner? fine like satin panties. That's my hardware. Ooh. The, the images that I'm conjuring right now. That's what that's perking me up. There it is. Put, a, put my dick in your cup. 
Uh, <laughs> what? Like Folgers. Oh, uh, the best. Yeah, the best part of waking up is at, as thick in my cup. I thought also because it was like uh, an athletic reference, you meant like a dick in your cup, like your balls. Oh, I just balls. meant like my hard wear, my like my wear, the wear yeah. that I wear. Yeah. Like, the, my hardest wear. That's what you're wearing right now, right? Is the the ensemble? <laughs> it does look like it. I did work out. But the ensemble you described. <laughs> yeah, I just got a workout in this morning, and uh, this girl on Peloton put together a heavy metal ride, and I was like, "Well, I got to check this out," and wasn't bad. I was shocked. Yeah, shocked. There, there was a. Uh, a lack of poserdom in it. The I mean, there's bad shit. I mean, it started okay. with fuel. I mean, it's not not the band. It started with Metallica's fuel. Oh, well, still, yeah. Either way, uh, but that's, start, that's a start. Then for it a went in the rain of blood. It, it was nice. it was like up and down. It was like every other song. It was like that, and then it was rain of blood, and then it was like a. <laughs> I, I don't know who listens to the Deftones, but it was like some fucking Deftones song that was like, I couldn't even, I put my headphones on, literally listened to something else and then took them back off because it went into like Bulls on Parade for some reason. She played Danzig. She played, uh, it was a fucking wild ride. There was some, like All System of Down place, yeah. in there. <laughs> wow. So not to get not to get too far off uh, our subject matter, but I mean you're younger than me. So did you ever go through a, a Deftones phase? Because I feel like everybody, even my age and younger, they 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 count Deftones amongst uh, a much beloved band. I know. I, I that's why I said I don't know who listens to the Deftones because I have friends who are <laughs> I don't know what they're called Deftone. Deftone. <laughs> so Deftone you, you, enthusiast. So it's not that you don't know who does. It's just that you do and you don't acknowledge them anymore. I can't imagine. I don't. I just don't understand. <laughs> other. I mean, other than this Peloton ride, I don't think I've heard like two Deftone songs in my life. So I mean, I don't know what fuck song in their, uh, <laughs> in their, al- they're, they're, in their plethora of albums that she yes. picks. But I have. It sucked ass. It was yeah, terrible. They're, they're terrible. They're one of those bands that people that I feel have that have generally good taste. They have they have a loophole for that one. So, and I'm always like, okay, whatever, man. You know what uh, doesn't suck though is the likes of Lemmy and Iggy Pop and and Carl McCoy and Carl McCoy, yes, yeah, who is who is definitely the 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 more obscure of the of that triumvirate, but nonetheless still a powerful figure in the music. That's a heavy trio of the apocalypse. I like that. Sure is. I tell you what, and I don't I mean, know much about Dave, and not, by much I mean I know nothing about Carl McCoy other than what I looked up. But that's not, it sounds tight, and I mean the other two guys carry their weight, so Carl, <laughs> it's a good trio. Carl, yeah, Carl McCoy is my dude. Uh, I love Fields and Nephilim, and yeah. So the the it thing sounds like is, a Miyazaki movie, honestly. <laughs> what Fields and Nephilim? Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite Miyazaki movie behind uh, Ponyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so away. <laughs> and uh, that's great. Yeah, I can't can't wait to watch that one. I haven't watched that one yet, but I'll get to the Fields and Nephilim. Uh, what is it? Studio Ghibli? Studio Ghibli outing? Yeah, another Studio Ghibli 
<laughs> um, but yeah, so it, that was a good segue. You're, you are the master of segues when I'm start when I start going on my tangents. So thank you for reining me in there. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned that because a big reason why I did get attracted to this movie was the inclusion of Carl McCoy. Carl McCoy was kind of the selling point for me. Be like, okay, this is something I, I feel like I can get down with. So, um, but yeah, so this movie was directed by Richard Stanley, who, for those people that have not seen this movie or some of his more culty movies, um, he is better known for being the uh, the the uh, jilted director at the helm of the Island of Dr. Moreau remake in the 90s that is one of those legendary accursed affairs in in big budget cinema uh and also notably he made his comeback uh recently with color out of space which i personally thought was fantastic i really liked it a lot i thought it was a, i thought it was a very uh it was a very apt comeback for richard stanley yes we we talked about color out of space on a on a previous episode and I, uh, and I hadn't even realized that it was him. So now we're coming back around to the, <laughs> this discussion of, of him and his stuff like eludes me like water in my hands. Like it just keeps <laughs> slipping through my fingers and I forget. I don't know. It's, he's hard to pinpoint for me. He's like in the recesses of my brain and uh, his stuff just lives on the, the fringe of my knowledge. So, Whenever his name comes up, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that guy. <laughs> so this helped in in uh, nailing down his kind of filmmaking style and kind of organizing it in my brain. Yeah, well, he, he, he is, much like his movie subject matter, he is an obscure, occult, phantasmagoric individual. And I will say, uh, from what I know in the rumor mill, uh, right after he made his big comeback recently, apparently is going to be, uh, flighted away back to obscurity because he got me too'd. I don't know, but I don't know if that's true okay. or not. Well, so hey. a nice comeback. <laughs> <laughs> way, to, way to go. Dick. Later. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I haven't looked any further into it, but that's, that's what I heard. So anyways, so hardware, Basically, so the, the synopsis of this movie is a space marine played by Dylan McDermott uh, brings home a decapitated cyborg head to his sculptor girlfriend as a gift so she can make her <laughs> shitty, <laughs> shitty uh, metal art sculptures in their high rise apartment. And uh, it was the the head is delivered by none other than none other than Mr. Carl McCoy, who is the elusive, mysterious nomad. Um, and basically, she is gifted this head, and the cyborg is able to reactivate and reassemble its its body from the various junk parts in her apartment, and it just wreaks utter havoc on the entire apartment. So, yes, it's a it's a it's a horror sci-fi slasher mashup kind of deal. Dystopian horror sci-fi That's slasher. That's a good description. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, I didn't put this in the, the wiki wormhole, but I will mention it that apparently in one of the episodes of The Office, 
Gabe had used this movie in his trivia because he, like in his office trivia, because what did he describe it as? Wally, if it was a horror movie or yes. something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually remember that episode. That's that's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, that's a good so, little tidbit. Yeah. Uh, so there you go, a little little trivia right up top. But that, yeah, that's a good way to good way to describe. It is. It is. That's a good tie. That's a good tie around a psychotic Wally. Um. So the budget for this, by big budget movie standards, not large, but you know considerable especially 1990 it was 1.5 million and it actually did pretty well i I was surprised about that it it grossed 5.7 million so it wasn't that's shocking yeah it wasn't a flop which i didn't know that i thought this movie did flop but i mean it did lead to richard going on to bigger projects namely the island of dr moreau which ultimately did 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 do miserably for a number of reasons and and pretty much um it kind of knocked richard stanley into retirement early retirement he didn't do anything after that for two decades he flew too close to the sun (laughs) he was as far as i know pretty disenchanted by the whole the whole scenario that unraveled with island of dr moreau so um but Prior to that, he had made some other movies like Dust Devil. I think Dust Devil came out before. Um, and he was notable for being a, a video music producer. He produced uh, videos for the aforementioned Fields and Nephilim. That's why Carl McCoy was in the movie. So that was kind of that, that connection there. And I, I have seen his uh, Fields of the Nephilim videos, and they're they're super cool. Um and you can tell if once you know who Richard Stanley is, it's, they're very distinctly Richard Stanley esque in their vibe. So, um, as far as critical reception goes, a mixed bag. Uh, it got panned by a lot of people as being kind of derivative of like Terminator and Aliens, which again just goes to show how dumb you know a lot of critics are, especially like the the more wide wide widespread mainstream liberal media kind of critic pundit critics where they just if they don't like a movie you know they just do this lazy kind of assessment where it's like well it's just like the terminator and it's like well yes but not it's just because like you know they don't know their their range of viewing i feel like doesn't go too far and deep enough so they're able to really make a more you know, I guess paint a broader picture. Yeah, like a more um, a, a a more diverse. They don't have it as as diverse of like a of a of palette. a set to kind of palette to kind of yes to assess the movie. So yeah, like I said, like there are similarities. I get that, but this movie isn't in any way like a direct ripoff of those there's 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 tropes that get carried into it that can get carried into any number of movies especially if you're a movie maker that's trying to pay homage or you're influenced by the movies that preceded you but not not necessarily a direct ripoff so anyways but one uh critic did say this uh vince can be who i feel like we've mentioned before um he said 
and I, I pulled this up because it kind of references why we do this this podcast. So uh, he said that he described it as a future midnight movie. There you ah. go. And, <laughs> and wrote, watching hardware is like being trapped inside a video game that talks dirty. So Yeah. Yeah, I recognize that name. I'd, who does he write for? Do you know what paper he's associated with? The New York Times. Yeah. I'm trying to think of that dickhead's name from like three episodes ago. And I feel oh. like it wasn't Vincent Camby. It's, not, Vin, it's but, not Vincent Camby. I feel like that guy was Thomas something. The guy that. Yeah, I think I, the name would trigger me. Uh, this I think we've pulled from this guy as well. That's a pretty good. That's a, an app description as well. Yeah, Vincent yeah. Camby is a pretty well-known critic. I definitely, you know, know I, I know of his his writings and yeah. But yeah, that other guy, he was the one that like talked whip on Hitcher, but then liked Deep Blue Sea. So we're like, okay, yeah, so you talk shit on Dead Alive. That's right, Dead Alive. Thank you. He was the one that just again just made this lazy assessment of the movie. You know, it's like you didn't even bother to watch the movie. You're you're. You know, you you already have it set in your mind. You're bored before it even starts. Yeah, it sounded fuck like off. he went into it already having made up his mind. But yeah, yeah. So fuck off to whoever that guy fuck is. That he'll guy whose name I don't remember. <laughs> he'll <laughs> he'll come up again. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure so, he will. Um, before we dive into the nitty gritty of this, uh, Pat, give me some of your initial thoughts about this movie. Yeah, um, I don't know what the nicest way to put this is i hated this movie <laughs> nice see okay this is great because this is going to go in in an in interesting way because this is one of those movies where you know i picked it because i was a fan of it and i watched it this time and i have a different kind of outlook on it this time sure. and as i was watching it i had a feeling that you probably we're not going to be into it. I just had a feeling. Yeah. So to piggyback off of the very end of our last episode and and to uh, continue like this Richard Stan, how confused I have Richard Stanley in my brain. I confused this movie when you said hardware. I thought we were watching Dust Devil or Dust. Yeah, Dust Devil. Um, right. Which immediately precedes this. Yes. And so for whatever reason, uh, I was like in my head was like that's why i was like oh yeah oh i've seen hardware this is this <laughs> this continues my i'm confusing richard stanley shit all the time and dust devil i liked more than this i don't i wouldn't say i love it or anything but i thought dust devil was like pretty cool um this though but i in the iggy pop thing is so iconic that i remember the voiceover shit so like i don't know if I've peripherally like caught some of this movie at some point or, but I knew Iggy pop was in this, but not in this cause he doesn't appear in it. But the, the, the voiceover radio guy, angry Bob is like so iconic mm. to me. I, I, so I vividly remember that and nothing else about it. So this was the first time I've seen this movie. Um, and it just, it, remi- it just remind, it just reminded me of better movies that I yearn to be watching. Like, I wish I was watching something else. Like while I was watching this, like I, I don't make the Terminator references much. I mean, I feel like we, what you said was apt, like the cyborg reference is a little lazy. I feel like it's a more of a grandiose nature of like a, a Blade Runner or a Waterworld 
or a Mad Max, right. where they use these expansive landscapes to their advantage. Yes. And yes. like as a way of world building. And I feel like there just wasn't any world building in this. Like I didn't get the sense that the world was overpopulated. Uh, there's there's very few limited like sets that they actually use. I, I just didn't get the scope of the world's demise. I it just most of it takes place in like that rundown like apartment high tech apartment complex or whatever. Um, but like I, I I don't know. I yearned for more. I yearned for a big budget that was completely fucking blown out the window, like a water world that was like, give us all the money and and watch us shred it. <laughs> because at least then yeah. I'm like having big big budget fun. When you swing and miss on low budget fun, that now I'm bored and like I'm not entertained. Yeah. So that's funny the things that you mentioned there because that's some things that I was gonna bring up for sure when we talk into it, uh get into the, the meat of it. Uh but yeah, as far as my thoughts go, so like I said, I was attracted to this movie because of the feels and Nephilim connection. And I had friends of mine that, you know, were in this movie who I trusted their opinion. And, and for years now I've had what looks to be kind of like a bootleg VHS copy. And you recall the reason why I kind of had to put off recording <laughs> was because my VHS copy is so run to shit that it's not even viewable at this point. And, uh, I know you have your means of viewing that I don't, but like for me, like I'm like, I can't find this movie anywhere. So I just had to go and rent it. Um, so, but whenever I watched this before, I really, really liked it a lot. And, you know, it was, it's always a fun movie to me. And I feel like it, it gives me this nostalgia for, you know, that era, uh, the late 80s, early 90s, when industrial music was, you know, kind of peaking. And so, you know, it has that aspect to it that I really love a lot. But yeah, this time, I don't know what it was, man. I think it was partly because I watched it with Charlotte and we watched it before together, but like, my copy was so shitty and like dark that she just couldn't enjoy it. Whereas like I can watch shitty like VHS copies and things and be fine with it. Like I'm just used to it. So she wasn't really even engaged, but this time we watched the Blu-ray of it. And so she was actually engaged and she was pretty critical of the movie. And I think like after like we both sat there and watched it together, I kind of like had some things to mull over essentially. (laughs) So that's interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just going to leave it at that because we, we can talk about everything else when yeah, we get into we it. Yeah, we can get so, to the discussion. That's really interesting, though. I'm, I can't wait to talk yeah. about it. So without further ado, here we go with the good, the bad, and the questionable. We're going to break this movie down. Okay, here we go. And right at the top, we're going to talk about the good. Okay. There you go. Um, Some throat stretches. 
Sometimes why? There you go. Um, Are you calisthenically uh, ready? (laughs) I think so. Okay. So the good. Well, all right. Despite what we're indicating, what we've prefaced this with, there are actually, for me, a lot of goods about this movie still, notwithstanding. So that being said, the the goods that I already kind of talked about uh, or hinted at, well, eh, the big, big good for me was like the rock cameos because this movie has a stacked list of rock cameos, rock and roll cameos, as we've indicated. We got Iggy Pop as the voice of Angry Bob, the DJ, the 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 wacky DJ. So like Angry Bob. He does Bob a phenomenal Bob. job. It's phenomenal. <laughs> he doesn't even appear in the movie and I want to give him all the awards. Right. So, yeah. So he knocks it out of the park just in voice alone because Iggy Pop, he's one of those people that, yeah, he's, he has a very distinct voice. So even if you didn't know he was in the movie, you heard that you'd be like, oh, shit, that's Iggy Pop. So, yeah, he plays like the man cow, you know, the alligator, the animal type, you know, like, yeah, like irreverent morning DJ. Um, so he's great, of course. And then we have Lemmy. Who's basically playing Lemmy as the yeah, uh, the Motorhead like demo? <laughs> yeah, the water cab driver um, that plays Motorhead and just says, "Hey, you ever heard this band before?" And puts in Motorhead and plays Ace of Spades. So that was cool. And then, like I said, uh, there is the once once more aforementioned Carl McCoy. Um, and uh, yeah, I know Pat. You said you're not really familiar with Fields and Nephilim, but. Fields of the Nephilim are one of my favorite bands. They are a um, quintessential goth, goth rock, death rock band from Australia. Oh, uh, from the from the eighties. They and all wear dusters. That yeah. So, so oh, this oh. is the thing with with Fields of the Nephilim. They were very unique in many ways, and in one particularly uh, singular way was through their choice of fashion. They basically like there's no band that looks like Fields of Nephilim. They all look like. So Carl McCoy in that in the movie, that is him. He's he playing himself up on set like that. He was like, here. I yes, am. that's 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 how he looks that he's basically playing himself. He wears duster. They all wore dusters. They all it was it was this dystopian sci fi goth cowboy look. I was and just joking. I didn't know. No, no, like kangaroo, that's not kangaroo hides like uh, cowboy hats and shit. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and the thing is, any other band would not be able to pull that shit off like the way they did, but they do, and he does, and <laughs> so much to the point where I actually had a suede black cowboy hat at one point that oh I wore. Hi, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an homage to Welcome Carl to the McCoy. fashion corner. <laughs> but uh, I felt like it was even too much for me. I, th- I I looked okay in it. I'm not gonna say I couldn't I couldn't wear it, but I was That's like, yeah. especially just going to like a Target. It's like <laughs> <laughs> rocking the the dusty. I, don't know where I could take that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do that. You have to understand, Pat. I've I've definitely made some. Uh, questionable fashion choices in my time. I, I so that was that was actually the least of my. I more, say, bring I, it back. 
I'm too much of a slob now. I can't do it. Imagine that beautiful <laughs> black suede cowboy hat and like a velvety uh, fucking mask on. Accent it. A mask? Well, like it was, we're fucking masked up because of COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah, COVID mask. <laughs> I would just imagine like a full face, like uh, a... <laughs> no, like are a, you robbing a saloon? <laughs> I mean, I could be. Well, I'd be an outlaw. I would be an outlaw, man. Uh, I, I so, agree, baby. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so those are our, uh, our big rock cameos. And, you know, when we were watching it, we were trying to recall, has, is there really any other movie that has this kind of rock cameo list? And I'm sure there is. I mean, obviously, there's like Tommy and, you know, there's things like that. So it's not that wild, but definitely like a big selling point <clears throat> for me. And um, kind of to piggyback off of what you were talking about with the world building of this movie or the, the lack thereof um the world itself what you do see of it it's the set the set design and the scenery to me is all super cool i really love that about this movie i think like that whole opening shot of the nomad walking through the desert when he finds the cyborg skull i think is super cool and i still thought it I really was sets this movie that's up how fucking confused like, i was <laughs> yeah but like that's because you know the premise and the the environment is similar so and it's called dust well, i don't Devil, take that so like, oh. against the movie no i know i know but i'm just saying I could, I could see how you could also get it confused in your brain you know what i mean yeah i i, I still thought i was watching dust devil i was like am i <laughs> watching got- dust devil you got to the end of the movie and you're like, did I watch Dust Devil? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I, I was all fucked up this week. I apologize. But no, <laughs> I, I did watch Hardware, I promise. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that's that would make for an interesting episode if we're both talking about completely different movies. on Dust Devil the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, what? What are you talking about? This? I never saw that in this movie. in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I... I really, really do like the set in this. And, and they shot this in Morocco. They shot it in London also. But, like, you know, clearly all of the desert scenery and everything would be shot oh, in Morocco. Oh, shot on location. That's pretty cool. Shot on location in Morocco. Well, I don't know if you know this about Richard Stanley also, but Richard Stanley is a pretty interesting guy from what I gather. He's really into, like, the occult and things like that. But he also fought with... I don't think it was the Mujahideen. Sorry if I'm fucking that up, but he did fight with um, Muslim militants in the early '80s in Afghanistan. <laughs> Whoa, that's that's nuts! And I don't know if you're fucking that up. So regardless, so sounds good Muja, to me. Mujahideen. There, now I can say it. See my my mouth calluses. He didn't do enough throat exercises. That's the problem. Mujahideen. I don't think he fought with them, but he he he. he hunkered down in Afghanistan and was fighting with the uh, Afghan rebels during uh, Mujahideen the- adjacent. <laughs> yes. So he has this affinity for desert landscapes overall. That's kind of in his, you know, yeah, you can definitely his, tell in his filmography that that's something right. he returns to goes back to that. Well, often. Yeah. It's, it's a creative theme that he likes to come back to. Um, so, so there's those things. Um, before I go on any further, you, you can interject here. What what are some things you you like that we can maybe talk about? Yeah, there was definitely um, 
there's definitely bits and pieces that I, I, I enjoyed thoroughly, actually. Uh, the Angry Bob performance being one of them. The other uh, performance is the Lincoln Weinberg Jr. Yes. Bit, like everything to do with him and the actor that, that yeah. portrayed that character is mm-hmm. was flawless. It's one of the best characters in the movie. Yes. It's just really creepy and re- like a fucking weird, like Blade Runner meets uh, Rear Window fucking like Peeping Tom kind of fucking thing. Um, right. I love that character. Thought he was great. Um, I love the Bible verse, the Mark thirteen twenty. No flesh <laughs> shall be spared. Is like some real badass Hellraiser shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and foreboding, I will... too. Like, you know that the Mark 13 unit is, like, after you get the No Flesh Shall Be Spared reference, you're like, well, fuck, that's pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, the, the Lincoln character of all... I don't want to, you know, we'll get more into this when we get into the bad. I don't want to talk too much shit about the, the acting in this movie, but you know, it. The thing is, the acting overall, the 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 baseline of the acting overall is so not that intriguing or that engaging that this guy playing into that character so much like shines so much farther above everybody else. You know well, what I mean? That's interesting. I didn't think of it as I I don't disagree. I didn't think of it as like everyone else was on a like a very low pulse in terms of acting and so his kind of shined through more uh, i think yeah. everyone played to the height of this movie <laughs> like everyone's acting was on par for what what like everything else that was going on in the movie i don't mean that as a slight to anybody it just nothing struck me as like so bad that it, it like took me out of it i thought they were all acting the part sure. that this movie was needing them to Right. I guess what I mean is, but they're not, you know, that's the thing. Even though there are other quirky roles in this movie, obviously, <clears throat> there's plenty. Um, I'm talking about from like the major, the major lead actors and actresses in this. They're, they're not doing a bad job, but they're not. I feel like they don't do enough to get into the character and, and push the character enough that you're like, yeah, wow. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I, my, my so recasting that, that, couch that guy. is nuts. Like I've recasted everybody. and I feel like the movie <laughs> got like upgraded. Like how did Dylan McDermott become a star? <laughs> that was the thing that we were constantly questioning throughout this movie. What a is, vapid, like lackluster shit boy performance like yeah. he, he acted like bruce campbell and maniac cop like i don't want to be here right so yes I, yeah we'll get more to that but yes exactly so you know the, the the bit roles like carl mccoy and things like that and and alvy there's all these little bit roles that like are great and they're all super they steal quirky, the show but the the leads in this are anyways so but yes um that dude rules his wibbly wobbly walk uh song that he does I very love. creepy very, very weird and i wanted to shout him out because i don't want to be like his name is william hootkins that's the william hootkins yeah. william hootkins yes yes Fantastic so, yeah. job. so that's great um for me i really love the soundtrack the soundtrack's so cool and it's it's this amalgamation of a bunch of different like weird bands yeah and it really is also, when you 
when you the music in a lot of ways reflects the obviously the visuals, but not only the visuals in terms of the themes and and the and what you're seeing um, around like the environment, but the editing. I don't really talk enough. I think about on this podcast like about editing, but like I because I dabble in this a bit and because I wanted to do this more and I've, I've made my own videos and things like that. Like I love editing. And like when I got more into doing it myself, I've become uh, able to appreciate it more from a technical standpoint. But I think the editing in this is really noteworthy of shouting out. Like I love, this is the kind of movie editing that I'm into, which is like this, like crazy, like kind of like quick edits with like all these weird, uh, you know, again, the cyberpunk kind of pastiche of like TVs and granny video and things like that kind of like mixed in. Like, I love that shit. And so that's that's a big thing for me. The soundtrack matching up with that editing, being frenetic and, and, and you know, very industrial and jarring in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, that I, I'm I'm on that. That's like my least favorite thing oh really in terms of edit yeah the frenetic like uh staring into like a, a strobe light kind of fucking effect like i i i hate that kind of frenetic fast-paced like <laughs> music video kind of editing i had it in my bat so i mean we can oh, get to okay. that but yeah i everything that you liked about it like the way you described it of why you liked it is just like the same reasoning as to what i hate about ah. like that's my least favorite type of editing Nice, which is funny. See, we we're, we got a we're a, we're a, we're a little bit split here. We are. I like that. I like that. But yes, that is actually a favorite of mine. I really love that a lot. And also, there is the uh, there is the um, cameos via videos of Guar yeah. and <laughs> another um, uh, kind of more underground industrial luminary Einstrzen Neubauten, the German oh industrial group. Jesus. So, <laughs> so that's the thing, you know, like Richard, this is why I do like Richard Stanley a lot. And I think like Richard Stanley, you know, he had, he's a, he comes from a lot of like, he comes from cool shit. You know, the dudes in the cool stuff, he's done cool stuff, but like sometimes his movies don't quite meet the the vision behind yeah, it. Yeah, they don't translate as well. Yeah, they don't translate. And I don't necessarily fault him for that. I think there's maybe there's always like kind of external forces working against him that he has because he is such a cool kind of punk like out there dude who's been trying over the years to break into like the more big budget studio kind of system, but he's met with a lot of resistance. So that's why I you can see, see that with what he wants to pull off. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. Right. So that's why you see this dissonance in what he actually is able to like put out there. So anyways, um, let's see what else we have here. I like the lighting a lot. Again, like a lot of this, a lot of like, it's all the things that like are around the movie that like the, the world and things that it's set in or theoretically could be expanded in. And the technical aspects of the movie, I really like a lot. That's really most of the the goods for me. Um, do you have any other goods? Because then we can move on to the bad. Because we, we could, we're we definitely going to be able to 
pick apart some bads with this. Yeah. So I want to I want to set aside a good amount of time for that. I, I mean, I also like in in general like this allegory of rapidly expanding technology kind of progressing to the point of overtaking mankind and yes. like that being a real fear. Uh, and that's the, ter- that's the Terminator connection is, is technology sure. and, and rapidly expanding past our means of control. I like that. Uh, I like that, that meat that is, is kind of being picked apart in this, uh, that, that is a DI I think is super cool. Right. And just the idea also that the, uh, the uh, cyborg itself was created to be a kind of population control. Yes, and, yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. And the re- and the reason why it go it ends up reactivating and going haywire is because the leads have sex and they're talking about procreating. So it actually sets the robot off. <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. I I don't think I would have known that until you said that. That makes sense. It does. Yes. So, you know, there is obviously there is that kind of subtext that's going on through the movie of like the population control, the population control bill and everything like that. Yeah, man, cyborg, I like that. The cyborg is essentially created as like a population control mercenary. Yes. Yeah. It's like the incel of cybernetics. <laughs> no one else will fuck. <laughs> if I can't fuck, no you matter how fuck. hard I try, no one else will fuck. <laughs> which that's what that is interesting because you know the robot itself which we'll get into more with the bad i feel like um the robot itself is actually uh it it, it has it's phallic it has a protruding bit a drill that attacks people so it has a dick it has like a yeah it looks like it tried to rape lisa yes it has a drill dick so that's further adds to like the kind of like you know the irony of the of the the robot and and its purpose is it's you gonna know, fuck it's, you to death. You want to procreate? I'll give you your last the last <laughs> fuck you'll ever have. Yeah, you'll never you'll never want to fuck again after this if you survive. So so yeah, <laughs> um, but I will say one thing too before we get into the bad because the robot is in my bad. I'm sure it's in your bad as well. But I do like the robot head itself. That's very cool. Like. The design of that is very cool, and that if if there was a way that they could have somehow did whatever they could to make that robot better, <laughs> like the head itself is a good starting point. But uh, yeah, so without you know further mention of that at this point, let's go ahead and get into the bad if if you want to. Is that yeah? Is that all right? Certainly. So since we are talking about it, I wanted to make sure that we have that bridge the bad let's talk about that robot (laughs) yeah it's really bad (laughs) well it just struck me i don't think it's bad as in like i don't know it wasn't bad as in like uh unbelievable or like cgi bad it was bad as in like it just looked like a star wars droid so it was less menacing right in its like it just took me out of it because i was like it seriously just looks like a, like a like a Star Wars droid like that would work for the Empire or some shit. Yeah. Like that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, and and it's just very thrown together and you can see like you can see in the movie where because of budgetary limitations where they had to 
do all these different things to make the robot look like it's mobile. So you can see at some points it's clearly like a model and other points it's clearly a man in a yeah. suit that's crawling along <laughs> with the, with the, the, the cyborg body on or whatever. But that goes back to what we were talking about with Richard Stanley being somebody where his vision isn't being accompanied by his budget. And the thing is Richard Stanley originally wanted that cyborg to be stop motion and they just didn't have the money to oh do it. Oh my goodness. That would be, yeah. that'd be nuts. That would have added a, a, a so, another layer of like cyberpunk shit. Right. And that's where, you know, it could have been more like RoboCop. You know, if he probably would have had some more money, it could have had that RoboCop sort that of would have taken a lot more time for sure. Yeah. So that's one of those things where it's like, man, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but it didn't happen. So we're left with this kind of shitty robot that doesn't really look right in certain ways, but whatever. So, you know, that's what we got. True. Uh, <laughs> So aside from that, uh, in my bad or not that great, uh, I wanted to talk about Dylan McDermott. Yeah, I don't know like why this dude got cast in this movie. And Charlotte, my partner, swore up and down. She's like, wasn't he in a, some sort of series that made him famous before this? And I said, no. And we looked up his discography or his videography, his filmography. Excuse me. Let me get the right ography. Um, <laughs> The guy really hadn't been in much before this. He was in Twister and so, like, I think he was in a Tales from the Crypt episode. You know, he was in a handful of things, but really not a lot. And then he gets cast in this movie and yeah, he's just not, he's not a good fit. He doesn't do a terrible job. As you said, you know, he plays his part fairly he's well. Just but there. He like blends into just, the background. He's just not a convincing. He's supposed to be the lead. <laughs> he's supposed like, to be the lead. He's not a keep con- reminding myself. He's not a. He's not a convincing, rough and tumble. You no, know, no, war, war scarred space marine. No, no, God, none of those things at all. <laughs> no. And he has that kind of ridiculous, like giant biomechanical hand that clearly looks rubber and plastic. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a terrible prop. Terrible. <laughs> Not a good prop. Uh, so we could have done better with that. And there, I there was some recast potential choices that you might talk about that you saw. If not, then I'll bring it up that you will be interested in knowing that yeah, didn't happen sure. between him and Shades, which would have been really cool if both of these would have turned out, but it didn't happen <laughs> for whatever I reason. I hate Shades, too. I think that that character sucks, too. And the, them as a combo is just like really it's a really tough ask when they're both chewing up scenery and you're just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. It's something about Shades. He just doesn't pull off because he's supposed to be kind of like this trippy weirdo sidekick guy. He's like out there, but he's the guy who plays him is not not doing too well no he's oh, the guy that shows up at a party with energy. an acoustic guitar and then wants to play <laughs> for everybody but then passes out because he took like too much ecstasy it's like fuck that guy <laughs> yeah so he's Does not anyone know any songs from wildflowers by tom petty anyone want to oh, shout man. some out 
I'll play them right now, baby. That is, man, that is, sounds like such an Indiana thing. I could see like a dude, like a ball state doing that. I'm an ally, baby. <laughs> Did you go to ball state? No, IPY. Okay. For some reason, I thought he went to ball state. <laughs> no, not, the, <laughs> not a cardinal. Ah. Uh, because that's too bad because I, I feel like I would get some good Ball State stories out of you if that was... No, it. sorry. No nah. Ball State stories. Um, Let's see. What else? Well, I did want to say this. Um, I know we're past the good, but real quick, I did think... Maybe this might be in your bad. That's why I bring it up. I did like the scene where Chief gets cut in half by the metal doors. And that's like one of the more violent scenes. This movie does get kind of violent and kind of gory at points. Not so much to, to the point where it got, because it got an X rating, which I don't understand because there's like minimal sex, minimal boobs and butts and dicks in it. Um, and minimal gore. Um, but the gore is cool when it happens. And you know, the, 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 the chase between the robot and, and its victims can be very cool at times. And like the battle between uh, Jill and, and the robot can be cool at times, but I don't yeah, know if you door, had any... the door death and Lincoln Weinberg's death are both awesome. I, those yeah. would be in my good too. Well, you go yeah. throw those back in there. Yeah. So, so I don't know if you had anything about that. Um, what uh, bads do you have besides the ones I mentioned? Um, I would just say in general, cyberpunk as like an aesthetic is very just hit or miss with me. I it, I don't, I just, in general, I think it just doesn't interest me. It always just comes off as kind of just sort of like dated interpretations of our technological future. And it, it's also like too close, like too adjacent to steampunk for my liking. Like, <laughs> yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Any, any prefix to punk genres, can be very questionable and and it's fine so you're uh you're uh <laughs> you're towing <laughs> a very fine line and it, it almost always is is cringy but like then i think of like blade runner and like other like like tetsuo the iron man yes. like i think of like good examples of it and i and i think like when done well i enjoy it quite a lot but i just think it's not done well i feel like it's a very hard ask and most people fuck it up which speaking of tetsuo i don't know if you notice this that tetsuo is on the tv at some point in jill's apartment as well yes yeah i like the i like the the tetsuo nod was very yeah. it was very tight yeah so again there's all these things going on in the movie that again it's it's like it's just like it's not the sum of its parts no, it, it, not at all. I feel like it also spends too much time paying homage and worrying about it being what it's not than focusing on what it should be. Like, I, I, it needs to stay in its lane. I like dogs. Like, I think the Guar stuff is cool, but that's in my bad because that takes me out of it. How am I supposed to, like, relate to, like, this futuristic dystopian society when there's, like, it's it's got a I want my MTV vibe, like, throughout and it's like all connected with like you were saying with the editing this music video style frenetic ended editing and like her like lounging and watching war videos it, it it's jarring to the point of like taking me out of it i'm no longer like connected because i'm like why the fuck is 
she like how is she watching a TV? Why is she watching war videos? Like what is this? Are these channels that are still airing? Why are there telephones that are working? Like, it's like a, right. it just made too much. It was it, it, too much pulling on my on my mental gymnastics of trying to figure out why this movie makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of that what you mentioned is in my questionable, but for sure. Um, well, what I wanted to go back to as far as bad goes, because um, you talked about this up top, was <clears throat> it does a bad job of not really taking advantage of what you were saying, the world building potential of this. So, you know, when Charlotte and I, we were talking about this, she brought it up really well. And I, I agreed with her. And, and this is pretty much what you said was there's so much potential to do something with this environment that it's in, you know, and really do something cool with it. And it doesn't take enough advantage of all of that. It really you know, doesn't. Yeah. You, you, you want more, you want to know more about that world. And you want to know more about what's going on around that apartment than what's going on, than the drama that's necessarily unfolding in front of you in the apartment. So it scores a dub. This movie scores a W on paper and in theory. <laughs> right. But is a lot different when, when realized on screen, yeah. I should say. But yeah, yeah, for sure that that would be that's a bad that's the bad of the of the movie that's the the movie's achilles heel is not being able to successfully adapt paper to screen yes sorry i had to i gotta plug in plug it in plug it in i agree with you on all of that and 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 that's where um as i was saying i went from being uh (sighs) I think I went from not having a, a developed enough of a critical uh, approach to this movie before, which makes sense because, you know, every time I watched it before, I, I, I wasn't I was, you know, wasn't I wasn't looking at it under the microscope as much. And that's where it went from being a movie that I was like, yeah, I really like this movie a lot. And now I'm like, OK, I see how flawed this movie is. And because I always wondered, you know, because I knew this movie was kind of hit or miss for some people. And it, it, you know, it, it definitely got panned to a certain extent. Didn't always get the greatest like reviews. And I was like, yeah, it's like, that's kind of harsh. There's might be some issue, you know, I don't see what, like what's going on, but now I kind of see it more. So yeah. And that has a lot to do with it. And I definitely was never as critical of the robot before, but the robot really stood out this time as being like, not, 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 not good. No bueno. So, (laughs) Anyways, so that's, I think, the majority of the bads. I I have more bads. I have very pointed, specific bads. (laughs) Oh, shit. We'll keep going. I wanted to say real quick for me, this isn't necessarily my bad. I don't think she does a terrible job, but I I think, like, um, you know, the actress that plays Jill, who I'm – that's the thing. Stacey Travis. Thank you, Stacey Travis. She's in Phantasm 2. She's in Phantasm 2. She's also in Ghost World, which is where I knew her from. Every time I see her, I'm like – where do I know that lady from? And I always forget. And I always look at, I'm like, Oh, ghost world. Cause she plays Steve Buscemi's like kind of like normie girlfriend in ghost. I've world. never seen ghost world, but, oh, um, I love I, ironically. Uh, I didn't even have to look that up. I knew immediately. I was like, she's in phantasm too. <laughs> yeah. She's in phantasm too as well, but I never associated her with that. I always associate her with, and with Seinfeld. She's also in Seinfeld. And I can't Which remember. Is, exactly. This is the, per you, you, un- 
unwillingly did the perfect segue unless okay. you had i don't want mean to interrupt but that's perfect. no 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 go ahead i was just gonna say like she does a fine job but you know could have been better that's all anyways sure. go on go on go on with the rest of your bag hey i'm uh free associate my friend go out there <laughs> well you said seinfeld so that's, <laughs> okay. that's so funny that you said that the red hue which permeates the 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 lighting of this movie in every scene is irksome with little to no reprieve. And I, I literally like my eyeballs yearned for natural light. Like I, it was hard to watch. And I literally wrote down, I felt like Jerry when he switches apartments with Kramer because the chicken (laughs) chicken place moves in across the street and he can't fucking do anything (laughs) because of the red light (laughs) comes swinging into his apartment where Kramer's living, he's like, I'm on no sleep. No sleep. Well, I'm stressed. That red light is burning my retinas. That's how I felt. That whole that whole fucking Seinfeld episode is like how I felt watching this movie. That's perfect. <laughs> I love that so much. Because I actually really like the lighting in this movie. That's one of what that was I think I'd mentioned it briefly that I did like it, but that is that is perfect. And my God, I'm so glad that that worked out that we could that if you me, have the ability you should drop lines in from that episode the, specifically the, the red light is burning my retinas i love that's literally how i felt i literally like rubbed my eyes i was like i can't i can't take much more when she uh when she crashes into the shower and it's like sprays natural light into the scene i was like ah, like i, I, I was, it was like walking out of a theater in the middle of the day i was like blinded i was like holy fuck I didn't know how much the red hue like did damage on me. I, I was not a fan of it um, specifically, but wonderful. I could see why aesthetically it matches the tone of the movie. I if I were to spin that into a good. So this whole time Pat was watching, he felt like he was being baked by the Kenny Rogers chicken sign. <laughs> yeah, the Kenny Rogers chicken sign. <laughs> <laughs> you seem a little stressed. Well, I'm stressed. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh. <laughs> the specifically the robot point of view shots, as well as like the peeping tom telescope point of view shots, are like unbelievably cheap and bad. Like the infrared. Oh, I, I like fucking, that. Part I too. hate them. I, it was like. It reminded me of like playing Sega Genesis, like when I got the 32 bit <laughs> adapter that I could like slam into it. I was, I'm yeah. talking like this movie is like those scenes specifically is like 16 bit. Like I never got my 32 bit adapter plugged in to like brush those scenes up a little bit. It, it was just video gaming. That's why that Vincent Camby um, uh, uh, review was interesting to me because I did feel like I was stuck in a fucking video game at times with those. Yeah. The infrared shots just didn't do anything for me. Um, Man, see, so those are that the video shots, the 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 interface kind of inner uh, viewfinder. I love that. I love that whole aesthetic of it. That was another one that I forgot to mention. That that's interesting. That's in your bad. Uh, I do like cheap, shitty, you know, outdated tech aesthetic like that. But not to say that you don't. I know that you know you have you know, your own affinity for stuff like that in its own way, if it's done right. But for me, I actually like that about this movie. So 
glad, I'm glad that you hate. I'm glad that you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the the only other bad to tie into that was something I've already mentioned ad nauseum, but the editing and the video, the music video packaging, it. it it feels like early '90s MTV shit, and like if I muted it, I feel like I could play a Nine Inch Nails song, and it would like sync up perfectly with like multiple scenes or like sound early Soundgarden or something. Like, oh it would man, be see, that's my shit. That's my shit. I'm not so, saying those bands suck. I'm saying like, no, I know would, it, it would that uh, style that editing. Yeah, style. it would yeah. it would seamlessly match up like some Trent Reznor video shit. All right. All right. Well, there you go. We are. Uh, I think this is the first time in a while where we've been so split uh, on a movie. I don't I don't I can't recall the last time, actually, because we've been pretty much in agreement on most of these things this season. So I'm yeah, loving this. This is the first one this season, for sure. It's a nice change of pace where they're yeah, not both of us just jerking each other Stroking off. Each other <laughs> sucking each other off. <laughs> now you tell me what you loved about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. I love that, too. Now you tell me what you loved about it. Yeah. No, you tell me. Ah, uh, spew, spew. <laughs> My daughter just got laid down for a nap. I don't want her hearing me oh. yell spew in the other room. Don't do that, man. You're going to give you kid trauma. <laughs> Daddy said spew. Daddy was talking to his boyfriend and they were saying, <laughs> yelling spew in my mouth. <laughs> Adam, uh, our, our good friend um, who shall not be named but has a twin and his name is also Adam. Uh, <laughs> he, he used to, when I lived with him, always say clench on me, daddy. And I always thought Ooh. that was the funniest fucking thing just to be like clench on me, clench on that, it or clench on me. That's great. That's a good one. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I do see both of them. So I'll tell Adam that I say <laughs> clench on me. Please. No, I, I won't even say that you said, I'll just say uh, it completely out of oh, context. You'll, hey, uh, you'll like, fucking know. <laughs> we'll be talking. I'll be like, yo, clench on this, bro. And then I'll dip out. Uh, he probably still uses it to this day. I don't <laughs> imagine it left his lexicon. <laughs> the thing is, yeah, I've never gotten to be like tight enough with either one of those guys where I think I've ever heard like them say funny things like that. So it would be interesting to, <laughs> they have to open up a little bit. They are yeah, like, a, like a little shy, a little, uh, yeah, a little shell of a clammy little guy. <laughs> Guy guys okay um questionable so yeah so there's definitely a lot of questions not a lot but there's definitely some questions some big questions with this um that i'm sure you had as well is the one thing that we kept uh, talking about is shit man this is supposed to be this post-apocalyptic dystopian world but like Homegirl has got like a pretty cool high-rise apartment spacious high-rise apartment with makes no sense fully automated and you know she's living there like apparently on daddy's welfare checks or whatever i'm like yeah, that's pretty sick bring me the apocalypse this is dope yeah <laughs> bring me the radiation death yeah <laughs> so how is that like yeah so it's it's this decayed society but they apparently still have some sort of uh you know uh social net some sort of there is some sort of like welfare apparatus that's installed to be able- i mean they got tvs they've got like dial up for some reason like phones yeah. and like I, yeah it's bizarre jill has multiple computers 
<laughs> yeah, operating. Yeah, her. she looks like yeah, <laughs> she looks like exactly what '90s had portrayed as hackers, like yes. slicked back European women with like three monitors, like hacking into mainframes and shit. Like the '90s just got that all wrong. Yeah, always in like a kimono or just like a, a night gown or bathrobe yeah, ready to f- some re- yeah. ready to fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's definitely that aesthetic so don't get that at all don't understand how that's possible but hey again i'm down like that's we got a glimpse of that at least i did with covid where i'm like yeah pay me to stay the fuck home with all of my shit and that's i'll true. be happy as a clam yeah, this movie <laughs> is just an allegory for covid actually <laughs> Yeah, so anyways, there is that. Um, what else is there? Um, that one dude's yeah, post-apocalyptic uh, outfit is is uh, just NFL shoulder pads, which I thought was tight. Yeah, Chief, yeah, that's tight. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. He's, he's called Chief, and he's wearing uh, football gear. So maybe he used to be you know a coach, and he just can't let go. He does look like a L.A. Raider, the Las Vegas yeah. Raiders, I should say. Right, absolutely. So, yeah, maybe that's his whole backstory. That's what I'm saying. If we had, like, some sort of character building with some of these guys, that we'll find out, like, yeah, before, you know, the nuclear war and the fallout, this dude was a pro football player, and you know. and Well, it reminded what? me of Jim Brown, and when you said, like, I can't think of uh, other movies that have, like, this, like, star power in terms of, like, rocks, like, rock and rollers. I was thinking yeah. we haven't done a movie like this since Running Man when we had Jesse Ventura and Jim Brown and uh yeah. wasn't Mick Fleetwood in that? Mick Fleetwood, yeah. Like those so aren't all rockers, but like I sometimes you can be a rocker and not be not play music. Like Jim Brown is a rock and roller of just being badass. Well, <laughs> Dweezil Zappa also is oh, in Running Dweezil's Man. So, yeah. So this is very akin to like Running Man. Yes. For sure, Sorry, for tangent. sure. No, 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 no. Good tangent to go on. Um, what else is there? I have it right. Oh, yeah. What I want to know is okay. So Jill apparently is this sculptor, and you know Dylan McDermott, Mo, Mo. I should say Moses makes this comment. You you wonder like, okay, this lady is a sculptor, and she makes all these things in her apartment, but who the fuck is buying her sculpture? Who buys art in this world? That was another question, and he has the audacity to uh, start an argument by being like, why don't you make more money by just sculpting more shit? And, like, it's like, is this not a moneyless society? Like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> yeah, are they not all operating on Bitcoin at that point? Or oh, that's Doge, true. Dogecoin? Her, sure, her, like, Blue Lives Matter scheme that she painted on the front of that fucking uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> robot skull. Like I could see that outside of like Broderville Art Center or whatever the fuck. So uh, yeah, that's her, her. That's what she's shooting for. Also, another thing from the '90s um, that she utilizes that, or is just like a teenage angsty punk girl type thing is using baby dolls or baby doll parts. Yeah, you got to cut to that. It's like it's like uh, it looked like <laughs> Marilyn Manson's like tourniquet video. I was like, cool. <laughs> Cool fucking apartment. See, and that's why, again, that's why maybe I have more of a, you know, I do shine to this more than you do because, uh, you know, I grew up being into all that stuff. I was, you know, I was a teenager. So I love the tourniquet video, but if I want to watch a 
tourniquet music video. I'll just watch that on yeah, YouTube. Right. Not yeah. like a 90 minute tourniquet music video with no music. But it does have music. It has all kinds of music. That's, well, that's the point. true. But it's not, it's, it's not tourniquet. Right. Yes. I know what you're saying. But anyways, but, but I feel like, again, like I was old, old enough for it to be more impressionable on when yeah, you're, in, certainly. When, you're, when you're an angsty, you know, arty punk kid, you know, in a shithole small town like I was, you know, you're like, you just gobble that shit up. You're like, oh, this is my shit, you know, like, yeah, melt baby dolls and put sh- junk together. That's another thing I wanted to mention. Speaking of that, I feel like that's another thing of, of a bygone era is the trash sculptor kind of trope. Do you yeah. ever remember like that was a thing that seemed yeah. to be more prevalent? Like, because it was always, I feel like it was when somebody had that in whatever they were doing, like a sitcom or a movie they were taking the piss out of it like yeah look at these like stupid artists they, they just make trash and they sell it because my my earliest memory of that kind of trope was i think it was like it was on family ties or something like that it was a real early sitcom in the 80s where the sister had a boyfriend who was like a trash sculptor and he was a total like airhead like kind of space cadet druggy dude that like actually made money off of trash sculptures and like that was the whole joke was like look this look at this clown he makes <laughs> money off of trash <laughs> but i feel like that's a thing that never happens anymore is the trash sculptor the repurposing guy. trash into art boom no it's not trash it's art yeah. So, but yeah. So she's basically she is like a trash, a trash sculptor, and <laughs> she says that that she got the baby doll parts from Shades. Shades just found a box of like baby dolls down on the street and just gifted sure, them to her. Okay, fucking you know? useless. That 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 jives. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, what other ba- uh, or what other questions do you have? The biggest question I had in a, is a two pronged question: is the robot's weakness is water? Like that's water, what right? The fuck, that's the lamest weakness. That's like when in signs, when it's like, oh, the aliens can't handle. Charlotte brought the same, <laughs> the same fucking thing. It's just, what really? You You're an advanced race that's, that's going not, to invade yeah. another planet for its resources but you didn't have the wherewithal or foresight to be like oh humidity in the air yeah it's like 80 percent of the world is poisonous to us this is gonna be the (laughs) this will be the planet we conquer but i like signs a lot i think that that he overthought the ending but this is a very signsy uh solution too like oh we'll just dunk all these robots in the fucking shower and then it'll eradicate anything that's the first prong the second prong is i i didn't my question was and maybe there's actually an answer why was the mark 13 prototype unit like sitting buried and like half disassembled in the desert like what happened to that unit and why was it like abandoned and and it didn't seem like there was a good catalyst for them to do a mass production of them I don't, I'm not really sure that, that, that all of that was hazy to me. Yeah. I think it goes into it a bit where they say at one point that that model was actually, um, it was, I guess taken off. It was, it, they, they, they ceased making that particular model. I think they go into that for some reason or another, 
they they end they ended that program that military project but then they had you know, like a recall on the mark 14 <laughs> well i think what the, basically they're implying is they were secretly still making them and then you know they've there's this you know parallel to the population bill and the the cyborgs being made again and then ramped up in production i think there's something going on like that but i'm not sure but yeah so i guess the implication is they used to make them or they were testing them and then they just ceased to make them and so there's these old models that are sitting out rotting interesting right yeah it doesn't it's not it's not very sound in terms of like i don't see like the catalyst to the brain i love the ending when like when iggy pop comes on and is just like uh i think it's a great idea for for to wrap it up like we're gonna start when angry bob is talking about uh launching the uh the, the mass marketing of these i think it's cool but i don't think there was ever a precipice for leaping from the movie to why they were getting mass marketed all of a sudden just like happenstance yeah yeah you're right there's not a lot of clarity there um but yeah the water thing too that's so i don't understand why why it's this indestructible creation in every other way and i the only way i could think of is it's they utilize that because this is a waterless world essentially you know so that's like the one thing that they didn't think of was like, well, there's no water, so we don't have to worry about it. So we're we're not gonna make waterproof, I guess. That's a that's a good thought though. Like when you when you start the movie in the desert backdrop, that would uh, that's almost like hinting at the the fact that this is this is a flaw, but it makes sense. Like yeah, that you know, we don't really have that much water, so there's nothing to worry about. You know, there can be things said for. And I, this is reading way too deep into this, but um, it's funny. I thought I had this thought because I was listening to another movie podcast where they were talking about RoboCop and they were talking about particularly the um, Ed 209, you know, the the yeah. big like, you know, the 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 proto robo cop droid thing and how it's basically it has all these design flaws. It's just this big hunk of shit that, uh, yeah, yeah. that lumbers along and you know it it has you know that glitch where it kills the ocp guy and dick jones you know he basically offhand says i don't give a fuck the contracts are already paid for so a lot of things happen this is a real world there's a real world allegory to this like with what's going on with the with the 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 F-15 fighters or whatever, where they're these useless pieces of shit that like will sit there and rot. But that's not the point. The point is the military contract. So you yeah. can kind of extrapolate that to this sort of scenario where these things were made out of, you know, the behest of, you know, obligations to the military contract. So there's going to be a flaw or an oversight and it doesn't matter because they're already bought and paid for true the contract is is what's important yeah so but that's again i think like i'm i'm reading way more into it (laughs) but it's still good it's good head head cannon good 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 yeah good tangent to go on so anyways any more questions 
No, not for me. I'm on no sleep. No sleep. You don't know what it's like in there. All night long, things are creaking and cracking, and that red light is burning my brain. You look a little stressed. Oh, I'm stressed. All righty. So this is the point where we go into our words and categories section of the show. And to top it off, we're going to mention the body count, correct? Um, well, body count leads off wiki wormhole. I always, get, I always get this fucked. I always fuck this up. Okay, okay sorry. It's okay. Well, uh, Don't be quotes. so hard on yourself. I'm, I hate myself and I want to die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> quotes. We're going to top it off with quotes. It's not a very quotable movie. But there is a couple that I have. Um, I just had real quick. Uh, Jill says it's stupid, sadistic, and suicidal to have children right now, which pretty much is my guiding principle all the that time. Is, that is your yeah. That is page one, verse one of the Adam playbook. <laughs> no, no, no offense to you, mommies and daddies out there, you included, Pat. Oh no, I take no offense. If anything, you, I agree. You have you have beautiful spawn. Thank you. Uh, other than that, there's uh, Lincoln's ad-libbed, uh, raunchy little soliloquy there that he's reciting while he's watching uh, Jill and Mo fuck. I think and that might be the X rating. I don't think it's the sex necessarily. I think it's his overtly descriptive and fucked up sex, like, sex talk that he's doing on his end. Yes, and it's pretty gross, especially when the thing is with that is like they get a good close up on his like herpy lips or his like chap <laughs> herpy lips while he's reciting. Spread those lips. That's it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's the it. Baby. Close up sells Take it. That big dick. Yes, it's all the yeah. way. That's it. Okay, so on and on, and then <laughs> when what does he also say something like about riding the Hershey Highway? and uh yeah and talk about spewing in my holes yeah i just love like when he comes into the apartment and he's still like he just he doesn't give up he never turned it off he reminds me of like a amalgamation of different serial killers (laughs) yeah serial killers meets the comic book guy yeah <laughs> from Simpsons because he totally has the comic book guy look to it he with the, the, the greasy the balding hair yeah. <laughs> that's tied back in the shitty ponytail um but yeah so there's that and like I said that was all completely ad-libbed apparently on uh Ooh, hello on the part of William Hooten or Hootkins um yeah, William Hootkins <laughs> do you have any quotes no I did not it's not a very quotable movie like you said yeah Best scene, worst scene. What's the best scene? Well, honestly, for me, it's just like that whole opening scene. I really love that whole opening scene with the nomad that go and entering into Alvy's shop, the 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 little man's. uh, Yeah, I love that. I love the bar. I love bartering in these kinds of future societies. Like that's why Waterworld intrigues me. There's almost the barter town. There's barter. There's a whole fucking like 45 minutes bartering scene. I love bartering in these kinds of societies. I think it's great. Yes. Yes, I agree. So that's kind of mine. You know, other than that, there's, you know, the, Oh yeah. And then I had when the droid kills Lincoln, I think that's pretty tight because that's pretty gory, gross scene. 
That's my favorite scene. But from the point where he enters the apartment in, in which to help Jill to his death is the mm-hmm. best. See, it was the scene I was, my interest was peaked the, at, at top, top billing. Yes. And then it was just all downhill from there for Pat. Right. It's just like there's this uh, at one point we're like, okay, I'm engaged and, Peak, fuck and then off. backed out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, worst scenes for me, essentially anywhere you get a really good look at the droid where you're just like, oh, that's that's like the, the bummer scenes for me. I said the Guar music video sequence just because it takes me, it took me completely out of it and it was like, just, I was just like, what the fuck is this society? I don't get it. <laughs> Once again, we're in a, we're in disagreement on that one. That's okay. Okay. So the next category is the, the Dahmer hardly newer category for the most killer killer performance in this movie i think we are in agreement on this one but for me it was it's william hootkins who plays lincoln yeah hootkins is gonna get it i could have seen iggy pop maybe getting it but yeah hootkins with being on screen uh, has to has to top him i would say yeah, I would say aside from Hootkins, it would be Carl McCoy. He's in there so briefly, but like I love it. I love him so much, and he just he he does he does a lot with a little screen time, just being like the creepy, uh, death rock cowboy cyberpunk, yeah, vigilante barter guy with that he is. But anyways, <laughs> but yeah, for sure, William Hootkins. Okay, so the next uh, category is the Michael Rooker Award for the most evil fucker in the movie. I, I mean, I had trouble with this. I just said the cyborg, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I said the Mark 13 unit. I've said Mark yeah. 13, but specifically the tech company behind manufacturing these these uh, sex-hating robots. Yes. So there you go. Um, once again, I'm agreement on that. So we, we do agree on some points for sure. Yeah. Okay. This is where the fun begins because I'm interested in hearing your recast, but I will t- talk about, these aren't necessarily completely my recast. These were legit recasts that were considered, uh, for the movie that didn't happen. Oh, and interesting. Then there, and then there is one that I did add that I personally would have liked to have seen or thought was fun. But so originally, the part of Mo, you'll like this, was supposed to be played by Bill Paxton. <laughs> He's back on the pod, baby, and in a Pax. big way. That is the Pax- fantastic. The Pax attack. So, yeah, Bill Paxton was supposed to play Mo, which would have been fucking sick. But yeah. apparently the studio, it was Miramax, didn't know who he was at that point. So they said no. Did he not just fucking do Aliens? <laughs> yeah, he was like in some four shit. four years ago? Right. So I don't know. That's dumb. That was a completely dumb call, but whatever. Fuck them. It's a pretty fucking huge movie to be in. To be like I have, Miramax, be like, I don't fucking know who Bill Paxton is. I don't yeah, know I mean, Bill Paxton from Bill Pullman. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned Bill Pullman because, like, for some reason, I kept, like, in my brain, every time I looked at Bill Paxton for a while, I kept thinking Bill Pullman. I don't know why. But I was like, even Bill Pullman, I thought would be better, better than Dylan McDermott. Bill Bill Pullman would have been a, a fine choice. Bill Paxton would have been an excellent choice. Yeah, absolutely. That would have like definitely made this movie way more cool. But yeah, like what the fuck? He was in Aliens. He was in Near Dark. He was in 
Streets of Fire, you know, like all these things. Like he had parts. So yeah, Near Dark each. was was three years. Yeah, Near Dark was a year after Aliens, and that those yeah. are still predate this by two or three years. So I know doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but this is the other really cool potential recast that could have happened and didn't happen because of just some like bureaucracy. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs was slated to play Shades. That's an instant talk about instant upgrade. That is instant right. upgrade. My God. Right. Shades could but have gone from you completely useless to uh my favorite character. Exactly. It would have been so sick. So Richard Stanley, if you're hearing this, I'm sure you are. Come on, man. Do a hardware reboot with these dudes. Well, at this point, that's they're too incredible. Old. Absolutely Boom. incredible. If we could have go go back in time and, and recast, this would have been so sick. But yeah, apparently that didn't happen because th- this movie is, you know, partly made. Uh, it was partly a British movie. So there's some like British like film union stipulation where they only had a quota on so many American actors in a movie. Oh my God, what a weird thing. Yeah. So they had to have the guy who actually played Shades, who I can't remember his fucking name. Because I don't know what else he's been in. Yeah. So anyways, (laughs) so those were two potential recasts that slipped through our hands and would have made this movie way cooler. As far as Jill goes, so this is going to be kind of an obscure reference. um, And this is in reference to a director who maybe I might talk about one of the movies on the pod. uh, But it's a director that I've come to love more and more as time goes on. But there's a French director named Jean Roland who... He has had an extensive filmography from the late 60s on up to like the mid 2000s. Um, his movies primarily dealt with vamp- vampire themes. He kind of was this obsessed director that only did like vampire theme movies, but like kind of refine his basic premise with each movie. He did some other kind of horror movies kind of in between there, but he was also notably known for being a, uh, a very famous porn director in France. I'm looking at his filmography and this is absolutely insane. I don't even understand <laughs> why this is his film. The rape of the vampire, the nude vampire, the shiver yes. of the vampires, requiem for a vampire. What? <laughs> what the hell is this guy? This My is, man loved vampires. This is nuts. This um, is crazy. <laughs> so anyways, the reason why I mentioned him is because one of his leading ladies that he had frequently in his movies was a adult film star, a French adult film star named Brigitte LaHaye. LaHaye, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. LaHaye. But absolutely gorgeous woman, and she fucking kills it in all of Jean Roland's movies that I've seen her in. But I would cast her as Jill because she somehow reminds me of this actress. Um, so anyways, that's a totally weird, super obscure recast that like nobody it, will get but that's that would be my recast for jill anyways off to you you said you have quite a few recasts on this, this. is my fantasy recast okay. i said bill mosley as angry bob uh because yeah. i thought that he was giving off like chop top vibes for sure yeah. also uh, all of these actors if you think of a, of them just where they were at their at their point in their career in 1990 i feel like it also jives really well so they don't do any mental gymnastics here 1990 bill mosley i said jillian anderson as jill because i thought it'd be oh, cool 
I like, actually thought of that too. Yeah, that was yes, that was like, a thought I, I had right yes. before X Files. Jillian yep. Anderson, that Perfect. she would have been completely unknown, but I think she would have done a fucking great job. Totally, totally. Um, I said John Cusack as Shades. <laughs> yeah, nineteen ninety John Cusack could do Shades. Um, I said Michael Bean as Moses. Um, okay. And, you know, after thinking about the Terminator references here, maybe he probably would have nothing to do with another fucking cyborg movie. But <laughs> uh, anything, anyone other than Dylan McDermott would have sufficed. Yeah. Um, and the only other one is Lincoln Weinberg. I had Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, dude. That's yes. a hell of a recast. But yeah, Jillian Anderson, I totally thought of that myself. I was like, she would have been sick of that. But I decided to be to fun, uh, I thought it'd be fun to come up with uh, a totally weird, like, uh, obscure reference. So. For sure. Uh, yeah, great. Bravo, my friend. Man, if we could have got that movie. I So, I would swap out for sure. Although, John Cusack would be cool. I would definitely, if I had my brothers, I would have picked Jeffrey Combs. Once I heard so. Jeffrey Combs, I was like, John Cusack's a piece of shit. And I, I actually don't <laughs> like John Cusack very much at all. So, yeah, Jeffrey Combs is the perfect shades. So there you go. Fuck you, John Cusack. Suck it. Moving on over for Jeffrey Combs. Hey, speaking of uh, real quick, did you get a chance after we had our discussion uh, after Dead Alive to rewatch The Frighteners? No, I still haven't seen. Oh, I haven't rewatched The Frighteners. I tell you what, man. Jeffrey Cohn, speaking of our dude, he does such a good job in that movie. I love him so much. I probably need to go back. And so this is how long it's been since I watched Frighteners. I didn't even know he was in it because Frighteners is a childhood movie for me. Like I remember watching Frighteners as a kid and probably well before I even ever knew who Jeffrey Combs was. So rewatching it might be really cool. Yeah. If anything, just get to the point where Jeffrey Combs is in it because he... My man, like always, just knocks it out of the park. He just plays a he's the best, unhinged. he's the greatest uh, character actor of all time. He really is. He just plays such an unhinged fucking weirdo. Okay, so now at the top of the wiki wormhole. Sorry again, because I'm I'm a no, I'm a pinhead no and I forgot about uh, the fact that it's a the body count. The body count, as far as I know, because I didn't look it up at all. I just kind of counted in my head. There's not very many. It's five. We've got I have four. Okay, so we have Alvy. Alvy. We yeah. have Lincoln. Yep. We have Moses. We have mm-hmm. Chief, and we have Vernon. Who's Vernon? Vernon is Chief's uh, uh, cohort. His his sidekick. One of the security team. Yeah. So <laughs> when Vernon dies. His gun fires off on accident and shoots uh, Vernon I, I in the head. Probably just missed. Uh, I missed that one. Then okay, yeah, five. So there you go, five dead. So you know, a pretty dead alive is at eighty-seven. Our current, uh, and then we highest, have ze- count. We have zero <laughs> had Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead had, had zero. Yeah, theoretically, we have zero. So uh, okay, that's Wiki our death spectrum. Everything from Beavis and Butthead to dead alive. <laughs> right um so i already talked about this but this was originally given an x rating for some weird reason but it was eventually given an r rating um and let's see what else oh so whoever did 
entered this little bit of trivia into IMDb. If you were listening, I need to correct you because this is this is a big no no. But on the IMDb trivia, um, they put the band that Jill watches on TV while she's making the sculptures gore. That is correct. Though the music that is playing, well, on the IMDb entry, they, they say uh, Fields of Nephilim Stigmata. That is incorrect, whoever did that. So fuck you. It is Ministry. The song that is playing during the gore video is Ministry Stigmata. So there you go. I didn't know that someone on IMDb put that because I uh, I didn't know it was Ministry, but I looked up like – I also knew it wasn't gore. That, that's why I looked it up. Yeah. I was like, I don't know who this is. It's not gore. And then I looked it yeah. up. I was like, what a weird mashup. That's weird that they would throw that that knowledge out there. Yeah, that's wrong. Hey, yeah, if you're one so, of the five five listeners, fuck <laughs> you, then. Stop listening. Yeah. Or get your shit together. Fix that fucking trivia. Oh, yeah. Don't entry. stop listening. We can't We can't afford to lose it. We any can't interviews. lose you, but, but <laughs> fix, your, fix your trivia entry because it's incorrect. Yeah, so she's basically watching the video but listening to ministry while it's happening. That's it's not, what's happening. I don't, okay. I don't think they're supposed to be synced up necessarily. I think they're just... They're just concurrently going on in her yeah. apartment. Um, so um, Lemmy, when he was playing the cabbie, apparently he actually had a Magnum revolver, a, a real one on him. And somehow, like at one point while they were shooting the scene, he drew the gun out from the holster, but it dropped out of his hand and fell into the river and they lost it. They tried to they tried to. <laughs> They tried to Apparently, fish the fucking. They tried to fish it out, and they couldn't find it. So, yeah, he lost a cool revolver. He lost a cool gun. That sounds like a Lemmy story. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the cabbie, though, this is an interesting. Another recast that I didn't mention. Uh, Sinead O'Connor was originally supposed to play the cab driver. There we go. That's perfect. Did she rip up a picture of the Pope yet? Did that happen? That was later in the nineties. I don't know. I thought that happened in the eighties, but either way, like, good on her. So. <laughs> I remember when that scene happened, when that whole thing happened, that was such like a, oh my God, that was what pre-internet days when like, you know, like when there isn't like a scandal every minute that you can look up and like when there would be like some like, thing like that on TV, it was, like that was the talk of the town for, for weeks was, <laughs> Not did you see that? Mind, but it, she, aired, she was on SNL September 29th, 1990. It was the same fucking year. This is all would have jived. So I wonder if if there's a coincidence there. The reason why she wasn't That's in the movie. That's what I was thinking. But if she did that September ninety nine, September in ninety, that's when the movie would have been out already. She she had oh. she could have filmed on it. Oh okay yeah yeah. Because it could have been a situation where you know she was persona non grata. That's because, what like, I that thought, was, but no, I don't think it jives time wise. But that's it's funny that she did that the same year as this movie. Yeah. Mm. Uh. So. There was originally supposed to be a sequel to this that was supposed to basically do what we we yearned for this actual movie to do. It was Hardware 2 Ground Zero was supposed to happen, and it was essentially supposed to expand on the world and build upon the world of this movie and be more of a Western. So, huh. But it never like happened. the idea of it being more of a Western. Yeah. That would have been sick. Uh, so I don't know if that will ever see the light of day, especially now that apparently Richard Stanley is persona non grata. I don't Cancels. know. Uh, oh, you liberals. I didn't cancel uh, him. I didn't even know what he did. No, I'm not saying you. I'm saying in general. <laughs> 
This yes. is the future liberals want. Uh, uh, Richard Stanley, uh, no hardware having world. Hardware too, harder wear. They could get <laughs> LL Cool J to sing harder, hardest, <laughs> oh, bluest, whatever the fuck. <laughs> harder, sandiest, desertest. <laughs> <laughs> what would be his like hat? a camel's hump <laughs> yeah, I was going to say what, what animal would he be wearing a hat as um, uh, oh this is a funny little tidbit so in the movie Mo says Albie you used to be an elf didn't you well that's actually based in a true story apparently Al, uh, Alvy, the actor that played Alvy was uh, employed as an elf at Santa's workshop at the mall one time but he got fired because he scared the children Whoa, that's a cool story. I could see Alvy scaring some kids. Yeah. So, oh, and this, uh, oh, poor, poor Will Dylan McDermott. Oh, no. He was very depressed during the production because his girlfriend, Julia Roberts, broke up with him. He was dating Julia Roberts? At that point, yeah, right? Was Again, like, where the fuck did this guy come from? That's pretty woman era Julia Roberts, and she could have the pick of the litter. Yeah. And he, oh my she's, god! She's 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 banging this fucking nobody. Uh, this nobody. Nobody. <laughs> yeah, stuffed shirt, motherfucker. I'm glad she broke up with him. But he was very sad. Maybe Good. that's why his performance is so weak. Because yeah, he was just like, because he's weak. Man. You're weak, Dylan. Speaking of sad, Dylan. Uh, <laughs> McDermott. <laughs> Charlotte kept like getting confused. Like, what is this? Is this guy's name like Dermot McDillon or whatever? <laughs> but apparently, there's McDillon. Yeah, there is an actor whose first name is Dermot. <laughs> so we found him, and I was like, oh, what I had no idea. Name is Dermot. Dermot. Um, we like Dermot. skin in this house, so we named Dermot. Dermot, <laughs> Dermot McDillon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so speaking of being canceled and sex and shitty people, um, so apparently Stacy Travis, who played Jill, was blackballed because she wouldn't fuck Harvey Weinstein, and Harvey Weinstein he uh, he blacklisted her in Hollywood. Good for Stacy Travis. That's why her filmography is just this and Phantasm Two, and then she finally does shit later on. <laughs> Seinfeld and Ghost. Yeah, exactly. Probably, probably, yeah. She got. She got fucking blacklisted by that meat neck, gross fucking goblin uh, man. Sausage uh, finger bitch ass. Yeah, good for her. Okay, that's all I got. Um, did you have any little tidbits that you want to add? No, I was actually excited to hear what uh, you dug up on it, so that was good. Okay, so here's the point where we rate the movie, and we're going to wrap this bitch up. I gave this movie a three and a half out of five. I like this movie. I know better than you, but, you know, it lost some points for me upon this viewing. What did you give it? I said two out of five. Probably my least favorite movie that we've done so far. Streets of Fire being another one that I didn't particularly care for, but I enjoyed Streets of Fire more than this movie and i think i gave streets of fire probably a three so yeah. i will probably give this a two hell yeah i'm glad like you're like fuck this movie <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I am i would never rewatch this movie and there was times where i i, I was it was very sloggy i was like oh god uh -huh. this is a slog um and i didn't have the uh the benefit of watching a blu-ray copy whatever copy i saw was rip a ripped vhs copy so it was 
shitty viewing and the the red lights burned in my retinas between all that shit like i would probably never watch it again but i conceptually i like the idea i just thought it was executed poorly yeah this uh, this thing the palette of this movie is obviously very dark and brown in most ways aside from the flashes of red and things like that so yeah it's really hard to watch if you don't have a good copy of it and i watched it numerous times on my very i don't know how that's crazy so anyways so yeah all right that all tracks and that is hardware for you okay so that's it moving on to the end uh uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we gotta talk about the. See this what happens when I come up with like, yeah, except for the very end. Yeah, we can't we can't we can't not mention what are we watching next? Give it to me, Pat. I hope I hate this movie as much as you hated this one. I don't think you will. I think you'll okay. like it a lot, and I know you haven't seen it. And okay. it's our most recent movie to date, so we're oh. fucking skyrocketing out of the 90s after middling in the 90s for the last fucking what this entire season basically pretty pretty much yeah so we're rocketing into 2015 and watching bone tomahawk fucking western horror hybrid with kurt russell coming back to form and it's got a bunch of uh side characters that fucking rule and i've only i only seen it once but it's got like cannibalistic uh, fucking indigenous clansmen fucking just eating brains and shit it fucking rules from the the one time that i saw it and i've i've thought about it repeatedly since and this is the perfect uh uh using this podcast as a platform to rewatch it again is exactly what i want to do my man yeah i've been actually want, been wanting to watch that for a while so good on you haven't seen it yet that's going to be fun to talk about love kurt russell so <laughs> Yeah, we're we're zooming into the modern era here. Finally, after we've been just wallowing in the in the deeps of the of year gone uh, bygone years, True. year gone by is years gone by. Yeah. Okay. Great. So we'll see you next time, folks. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This man, another deep dive in the midnight mood. That was African. <laughs> this has been Dermot McDill signing off. <laughs> okay, here we go. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music is also provided by Charlotte Blythe with her new project, Internal Device. So I'm 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 plugging Charlotte twice. Here we go. Whoa, you're doing uh, what with her twice? Yeah, well, I mean, you are Dermot McDillon. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, internal device. They have a band camp. Check it out. Uh, it's, I don't think there's any other internal device. So you can look it up pretty easy. If you are a band looking to submit a song, which we haven't gotten any from anybody in our email, I have to search you out. But please do me a favor and drop us a line. Do some of the legwork for us. You can submit a song. Or if you're a listener to, uh, looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com. That's F-L-I-X for those of you that don't know. Or hit us up on Instagram at midnightflixpod. For co-host Patrick Mitchell, I am Adam Walker, and we're going to see you in a week, buddy boys and girls and non-binaries and freaks and weirdos and cyborgs and androids and dermots and all, <laughs> all nine yards. <laughs> oh shit, I almost choked. <laughs> Fuck, you killing me. <laughs> <laughs>